Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Global Mental Health Conference. It is an honor to have each and every one of you here today. At this time, I welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. She's the CEO and founder of Designer Events by Lakeisha. And also, I welcome our co-host, Barbara Mays. She's an amazing, motivational keynote speaker. Welcome, Barbara, and welcome, Dr. James. And thank you to all of our speakers and for everyone for attending today. Thank you. Thank you, Regeline. So welcome to the Global Mental Health Conference. I am the Master of Ceremony for this afternoon, Dr. Lakeisha James. Mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. Today, you will hear from speakers that will educate you and share their story on mental health. So grab your pen and pad and let's take some notes. So let's get started. I'd like to introduce you our host, Rajaline Sabat. She's a motivational keynote speaker, five-time best-selling author, life coach, first-generation Haitian American, the host of Walk With Me podcast on JRQ TV, financial expert and CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, LLC, and also which is endorsed by Les Brown. It's such an honor to have each and every one of you here today. Make sure to grab a pen and a notebook to take notes because there's going to be a lot of value provided to each of you today. At this time, I'll turn it back over to our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. Thank you, Gigi. So our first speaker is Dr. Ratley Redman. He, he, he was not able to be with us this afternoon, so we do have a pre-recorded video. I'm going to give you guys just a little background about our Dr. Ratley. He completed his undergraduate degree at Barry University in North Miami, Florida, where he received his Bachelor's of Science in Biology with a minor in Chemistry. Dr. Ratley then attended University of Bridgeport in Connecticut, where he completed his Master's of Science in Acupuncture and Doctorate in Neuropathic medicine. Dr. Ratley during this time at the University of Bridgeport also served in the United States Army as part of the New York Army National Guard for six years, through which he grew a special interest and worked with post-traumatic stress disorder, which all of us know that as PTSD patients. As a result of completing this thesis on underwriting and treating PTSD using a neuropathic approach, Dr. Ratley served a tour with his New York Army National Guard unit in Kuwait and Iraq in support of Operation Inheritance Resolve. That was in 2016 and 2017. Dr. Ratley also been co-authors to two articles published by Neuropathic Doctor News and Review related to TPSD and TBI. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our speaker, Dr. Ratley Rodman. He'll be joining us later on today. Dr. James, please proceed with the next speaker. Okay, awesome. So Dr. James, it appears we cannot hear you. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our next speaker, which is Dr. Rowe. At this time, I welcome our next speaker, Dr. Brenda Rowe. Welcome. Good morning. I am so honored and blessed to be here this morning. Um, as the conference has been set up, uh, looking at issues around mental and emotional health. And one of the specific target areas that I was asked to focus on was youth and what is happening and with the youth with increased violence, 
not only to talk to some causative effects of that increased violence, but also what are some things that we can possibly look at doing to impact the violence that's going on in our community. Um, I am the Senior Program Director uh, of Family Stability Services here at Harmony CDC, uh, which is the CDC associated with Concord Church. Um, I have actually been the Minister of Counseling here. I, I was supposed to stop by, but I, it will be 20 years in February. So I stopped by a very long time and actually was asked to develop a professional counseling center. We've already, already had a pastoral center. So I've done that work over the years and worked with clinicians and interns and students. And here we are 20 years later, uh, very active in the community and one of the focuses here recently has been so many people think that COVID cost everything. And I find myself constantly helping people to clarify that because many, many of the emotional and mental health issues that we're coping with now, COVID did not cost, COVID exposed. So a lot of the issues, when we think about the increase in domestic violence, when we think about the increase in terms of child abuse, uh, marital issues, relationship issues, a lot of those COVID didn't start. They were issues that were just kind of underlining the surface. And I use an example of a tube of toothpaste that's already full. And if you just smash it, the toothpaste is going to go everywhere. And COVID smashed us. COVID smashed us in every aspect of our lives. Um, our children being at home, parents being frustrated, some having the ability to connect to uh, the computer work that they needed, some not, you know, everyone rushing around trying to make that adjustment parents trying to make, so just the anxieties in our families and how that impact our, impacted our kids has just soared. And we have seen here at the Harmony Counseling Center just an awesome number of children and parents in terms of an increase in need for counseling. Um, actually, I'm sitting right now with a waiting list of 65. Uh, and I have uh, currently, I have contract therapist because I went back to students that I had actually taught through the process and hired them consult. They all have their own businesses and they're all professors now, but they are why I'm able to serve so quickly the number of people that we're serving here at Harmony. Um, but that turnover, it's like constantly getting intakes coming in, constantly having to triage the most severe first, because it's not who called and asked for services first, it's the condition. Um, and just the violence in the home greatly increased, uh, violence on TV, uh, violence in the music. If you all think about all of those things that were happening before COVID, it starts to paint a picture of what our children are responding in, an, in a violent way, because they've seen so much violence in so many areas of their lives. Um, here in Dallas, unfortunately, we actually had a shooting 
that resulted in the death uh, of the shooter. And it was an individual who actually had diagnosed mental health, who had been on medication for that and stabilized, and who had chosen to get off of his medication. Um, and his family was able to tell us later that they saw the increase, the increase, the increase in his acting out and in his behavior because he was not on his medication. Um, they called the police the day of the shooting, but he had just left the house. And he actually went to a stadium where a youth camp was going on. And there were over 300 children there. And there were over 200 youth counselors there. And he came in shooting, shooting, walking through, shooting. Um, the blessing is that there was an ex-Marine there who was actually doing security there. And because of his training, he was able to think through how to get the kids to serve to safety behind doors so that none of the kids or the staff were injured. And when he burst into the room, the gymnasium, which is where all the children had just been maybe 10 minutes before then um, shooting, uh, the cops were there. That's where the cops tried to talk him down uh, and he shot two cops. Um, praise God, both of those cops had armed vests, and so neither one of them were injured, but because they, his violence, they could not talk him down, he was still using his weapon, he was shooting at the cops, they had to make the decision to save themselves and all the children that were in, and that's a very, very sad outcome. Um, but so much of those outcomes have to do with unmanaged mental health, undiagnosed mental health, and even diagnosed mental health when clients choose to get off their medication. And families are seeing, families are afraid. Uh, they're seeing the change in the individual, but they are afraid because of what's happening in the news to call the police to try and get an emergency admit so in their thinking, they think they're saving their family member by not calling the police, where actually that individual is increasing and acting out and acting out and getting more and more severe until we have an outcome similar. And as you all know, you've heard uh, and read about and saw the various shootings that we've had throughout the country. Um, doing before and after COVID so much related to the violence that's going on in all aspects of our kids' lives and our adult lives. Um, you can imagine we did a conference um, where we pulled in just for those kids that were in that event and just for those counselors to help teach them what the trauma looks like, the response. And when they need to do something, you'd be concerned about it and resources of where you can go and get help if that occurred. And in that conference, we do, and that was just for the kids that were impacted by this incident. We separated the parents from the kids, from the counselors. So we had them in all three different areas to speak to them individually. Uh, again, a sad part for me is the decreased number of parents that came even though that was an event and their children were traumatized. They were traumatized. 
We've got they've got calls where they, you know, all the kids have phones. So they could hear the gunshots. They were on the phone calling their parents. Their parents are at work. So they were very traumatized. So trying to get ahead of that and get service to those kids was my focus. Uh, here we are like about three months after I'm seeing an increase in the kids that were involved in that situation uh, in terms of their mental health condition uh, because they didn't receive the services that they needed at the time. Um, and I have to stay focused on, but yet they come now for those services and that their family is not now open to receive those services to help stabilize them and get them the appropriate level of treatment. So I'm sure you all have experienced the exact things in the areas where you live. You've experienced the exact things um, in our youth, in our young adults, and in our adults. Um, and I have to say the one preventive method for all of us, the one preventive method is assisting individuals to assist mental health here. I wish I could change the state regs. I'm also a registered nurse and nursing, hospice nursing recently over the last couple of years changed hospice to comfort care because the name hospice had such a negative connotation to most people that people weren't using hospice because of what they thought it was. And looking at research now, there has been a drastic increase in individuals using comfort care in terms of end of life. And I wish I could change counseling to something because it serves as a major barrier, especially in communities of color, in terms of if you ask people in community of color, why do you go to counseling? They say it's because you're crazy. And so that barrier prevents individuals, that fear, that unknown prevents individuals from getting the care, but getting out education, awareness. I do a lot of education in churches and anybody that'll let me and my team come talk about mental health, whatever time of day, we will do it to help impact the state of mental health, the crisis of mental health that we're in right now as a country. Any questions? Thank you, Dr. Rowe. You're so welcome. Thank you, Dr. Rowe, for sharing your expertise. We really appreciate you sharing your story. It's amazing. So comfort care instead of hospice. I did not know that. Think about it. Think about the feel. Comfort care draws. Absolutely. It's, it's okay. Let me help comfort your family member doing this season of life, doing this last season of life. Um, hospice, and it, it just has to do with over time what people think names mean. And so to try to fix what they think it means, change the name to something that brings people drunk. One of the things, and it's not counseling, but one of the things that helps is coaching. Hmm. Coaching draws people. Uh, as soon as I can get my pastor to release me from the job that he just promoted me to doing the time that I was about to retire, okay? um, let's talk is the name of my coaching, personal coaching, because God has placed it on my heart that if I can get people to come to coaching, I can evaluate them, build the trust, build a relationship with the client, and they're more likely, if they're mental health particular issues that need more higher level of care, they'll trust me as I refer them into that level of care. 
I love that. that. That's something that has been on my heart. And uh, hopefully by the in middle of next year, Let's Talk will be up and running and be making some changes or helping people to be drawn to something other than counseling to get them in counseling the other way. <laughs> I love it. Congratulations on that new venture. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker will be our keynote speaker, William A. York III. He's an accomplished financial executive, former certified public accountant, and certified defense financial manager with over three decades of experience with diverse public sector and military arenas. Wow. Strategic thinker and business person delivering sound guidance, controlled with corporate goals. Articulate communicated with personal track record for complex negotiations, resulting in win-win scenarios. Key role streamline efficiency. Solid project manager able to direct multiple priorities while generating innovative strategies to meet and exceed performance objectives. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our keynote speaker, William A. York III. Thank you very much for that uh, wonderful introduction. Um, in terms of my backgrounds, but really I'm, I'm here because uh, of my life, lived life experience with uh, uh, mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, I spent you know, 30 years of my life, 20 years active duty, 10 years in the reserves in the military, been through lots of training with mental health, uh, helped others by getting them uh, to see the uh, medical practitioners that they needed to see to save their lives while I was a commander. Um, but all those things that I uh, lived through uh, didn't prepare me for uh, July 28th of 2018. On that day, uh, uh, about two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, I had a knock on my door. And as I went to the banister and looked down at the door, I could see a police officer on the other side and I knew instantly that one of my two children who did not live with me had passed, uh, one of my two older children. And um, having had issues with one of the children, I naturally expected that that was probably the, the most likely scenario only to find out that it was my son who was 20 years old that took his life. Um, and so uh, with that, you know, I gained uh, perspective. There's a, a very well-known Chinese philosopher and warrior named Sun Tzu. And one of his most famous quotes is that you should know thy enemy better than you know yourself. And so when it comes to mental health, that task is uh, nearly impossible because the, the enemy is unknown. It's invisible, right? It lives within each one of us. And I, and I do say that as an entirely each one of us, because as we know, one in three Americans alone go through some form of mental health issue every year. Uh, so it's, it's not that it's not normal. It, it is the norm, but it's not normalized in our society. And that's a problem. Um, for me, what I found is that in life, hope is the key. See, I, you know, I didn't have a, a very, um, great childhood. I grew up divorced parents. My mother left when I was about three years old. And it wasn't until I was about 40 that I found out that what I thought was about a 12 month period between when my mother left to when she came back and retrieved, retrieved her children from my father's household happened to be about five years. So I have a lot of suppressed memories that I, I don't even know of today. The ones that I do have from that time frame are not good. So for me, when I turned 18 and decided to join the military, 
uh, I learned to appreciate myself, that I had value. I joined because I felt that I didn't have value and that you know, my life would be better given to our country than to be wasted uh, living in the town that I was growing up with in, uh, around Baltimore. But by joining the military, I found out that I, I had skills, I had uh, uh, courage and, and hope and, and strength that I never realized I had. And I learned to be a good employee. And I did very well, uh, I'm highly uh, decorated uh, uh, throughout my career. But in, then in uh, 1989, the Gulf War kicked off and I was in uh, a, a role for law enforcement within the Air Force. Our wartime mission was anti-terrorism. I had just been to training six months prior. So I was one of the first 100 people in my field of which there were only 900 uh, with that train that was called up and sent no notice over to the Gulf War. I called three o'clock in the morning. Uh, by four o'clock in the afternoon, I had uh, had my head shaved, processed and issued two weapons, chemical warfare gear, and was on my way to uh, uh, Europe, headed into the fight. Uh, while there, I, I uh, had three close calls with my own life. Luckily, I, I had no injury, but uh, close enough that uh, it uh, added to PTSD uh, as an experience in life. Through that experience, I learned to appreciate the opportunities and the benefits and, and the, the qualities of our country, uh, the United States, and other countries like us that are democratic, that give their people opportunity to choose their own path in life and, and to uh, constantly evolve. And so I thought I had this wonderful life. I'd survived war. I'd been uh, married since the time I was 20, uh, came home, had two beautiful children, one boy, one girl, and uh, had got my dream home. And, uh, and then uh, my wife uh, and I, uh, my first wife had a, a falling out and she went to move on with her new partner. And I was trying to figure out picking up the pieces and keep my family intact. And through that, I met my second wife and, and uh, uh, we, I learned more about myself. And she was the one that was with me that night, that, that morning when the police came. She was the one that I watched collapse in the doorway um, when hearing the news. And I sat down with her that day and, you know, as we contemplated who to call first, what actions we needed to take, in what order, and, and uh, how we would break the news. I can remember looking at her and saying, you know, we've got two, two choices here. One this is going to be the hardest, most difficult thing that either one of us has ever faced. And we've got two choices. The first one is we can fall apart. And if we do that, we're going to lose our marriage. We're going to lose our children. We're going to lose everything we've worked so hard for. And we're going to lose a, a bright future for everyone that we love. That, or the other choice is that we've got to find a way forward. It doesn't matter how we get there, but we have to find a way forward. We have to find something every day to do that gets us out of this dark place. Well, my wife's a, uh, a person who looks into everything. So she started to look at ways to bring uh, activities into our family to, to open our children up and help us heal. Uh, I started looking at how I could uh, give back and, and prevent others from taking their life or doing self-harm. And so within 30 days, we had already uh, started planning on opening up a nonprofit foundation. 
my wife had come up with some activities to work with our children to uh, get them to talk about the things that they loved about the brother, the things that they would miss about their brother. And uh, one of those things were we painted rocks with positive messages, messages that we would have told him had he been there that day to uh, share in that activity that may have helped him make a different choice. And through that, we created a, a, uh, uh, a group on Facebook called Suicide Prevention Rocks. And we started putting these rocks out in our community and it started to catch on. And within about three months, we had about a thousand people following us. Uh, another six months, we had 5,000. Two months after that, we had 10,000. Today, we uh, are on Facebook, we have over 36,000 members in every single state in the United States, over 100 uh, countries uh, in every continent of the world, except for, of course, Antarctica. And so we have gotten this message out and we promote every uh, uh, International Suicide Prevention Day, the placing of rocks around the world. We actually uh, 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 attempted and beat the world's record for the largest display of painted rocks uh, in one place. Uh, however, our record didn't last very long because somebody came up behind us, but we laid, the record had been about 4,000 rocks, a little bit over that. And then one day we laid out over 23,000 rocks that were donated from people all around this world, uh, mailed to us just for the purpose of helping others. And again, that's that hope that we need to sow within our communities. I tell you that part because 60 days later, we had a nonprofit foundation up and running. But that's not the amazing thing for me, because in the loss of my son, Josh, and the processes that we went through of taking that pain and turning it into something positive, some hope for other people, uh, I learned another most important lesson of my life, and that's how much, how precious little time we have as individuals to impact those that we care the most about and those that we don't even know that cross through our lives and our paths every day. You see, for me, life is like a pendulum. You know, if you, when you're born, your parents pull that pendulum up to its highest point and let it go. And they start teaching you everything you need to know. And as you leave the house, you start on this journey. Well, that journey has to go through that valley. And that valley is the dark place. It's, it's the places that challenge you the most. And as you cross through that, you're heading back up the other side to the next highest point in your life. Your momentum slows because it's uphill. It's hard. Good things come from hard work. But when you reach that position, you don't stay there for the rest of your life. You start to come back down and go through that valley. So you have to have hope in the knowledge that you're going to go back to that place where you started, which is at the top of the first mountain that your parents created for you. That which was full of hope for that child for their entire life. And so you carry that through life. Well, as you know, a pendulum never stops. If you let a pendulum go, it will constantly go back and forth because it has energy. It's the same energy coming down that takes you up the hill. It's the same energy that once you get up the hill, it brings you back down and takes you back up the next hill. But as you do that, you're crossing through that dark space over and over and over in your life. Every single one of us will cross through dark spaces in our lives and hope is what gives you the energy to make it through that. And the more times you go through it, the more times you know that it's a, a journey well-traveled. 
that you can make it through again. So what do we need to teach our, our children and those people who struggle? We need to teach them that if they travel through that dark space, that they will get easier, that it will become, they'll become more comfortable in it. And no, they won't stay there forever. And no, they won't be at the top forever. But it's the journey in life that teaches you all those important lessons that carry you through the dark times and through the best of times and help others find those great times and get through the dark times. It's reaching out to those around you and letting them know that I don't need to know you to care about you as a human being. That I, I may only be able to give you a hug, but I can give you something. And if I'm going to give you a hug, it's going to be a 30-second one because it's scientists have proven that 30-second hugs it release endorphins in the brain, right? If you're going to cry, I'll give you my shoulder because scientists have proven that tears regulate the chemicals in the brain. So it's okay to cry, right? We have to be someone who loves other people. Now, I'm a person who was trained to fight for our country if necessary, to take the lives of others. It's not something that I would ever consider doing uh, as part of my daily life. My daily life is helping others heal. And so I like to challenge everyone. You want to stay in the dark? How can we give others hope? How can we encourage them and teach them that hope is what takes you forward and that there's only one way in life and that's forward in everything we do. We're going to fail, fail forward. We're going to cry, run from it, go forward. Help those around you because you never know when that person you help may help someone else that you love or may be the one who's helping you the next day. And so with that, I'd just like to say thank you for the opportunity to share my limited story and those life experiences that I found that have carried me through all these dark days because I know that I'm going to travel back through that journey. I will never forget my son. And I will always go back to that place uh, at times when I least expect it most likely to you know, remember that which I've loved and lost. But knowing that that energy, that energy that lived within his body that made his heart beat still carries forth all around me in this world that I can give it away to those around me. Thank you. William, please state the name of the organization and how can folks support your organization? So our foundation is called the Joshua York Legacy Foundation. And we came up with that name because uh, just prior to his death, Joshua uh, was part of the LGBTQ uh, community. And he was sitting with a bunch of his friends and they were having a bunch of males and they were having this discussion as to whether or not uh, individuals were, were part of the community or not part of the community because some of them were bisexual and some of them were, were gay. Uh, some of them were trans. And so they were having this argument. And my son during this dinner finally stood up and left the table and told him, you know, you guys are you're arguing over a topic that doesn't need to be arguing about because we're all part of the community. And the fact that we're arguing about it is tearing our community apart. And I'm not going to have part of that. And he walked out. Um, so that's where the name comes from. The beauty of that story is one of those people actually did some artwork uh, on his behalf uh, that we hang in our house. It's beautiful. But Joshua York Legacy Foundation, we're on Facebook. We're on the internet. Um, we are local to Baltimore, but our reach through Suicide Prevention Rocks on Facebook um, is worldwide. And uh, we are advocates for uh, mental health and hope and uh, 
we take every top opportunity we can to help those that are in, within our reach. Thank you, William. You're welcome. Thank you, William, for sharing your story. I like that. Hope is what takes us forward. That's so yes. powerful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. Thank you. Our next speaker is Catherine Kamsey. Catherine is an author. Catherine Kamsey is on a mission to help children improve their mental health, support their spiritual growth, and balance their emotions. Through her books, courses, mentorship, and soon-to-be-produced television show, Catherine is changing children's lives all around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Catherine Kamsey. Hello. Thank you for having me here. I am British. I know if you think I'm speaking funny, so... Um, it's, um, it's quite apt actually that I follow um, you, Bill, from your story because I have a similar story. <clears throat> um, about 11 years ago, um, I had a phone call from my sister and my niece had been murdered in, um, in England. And um, so that, that sort of sent me on this trajectory of, of developing everything that I've gone on to develop. And even though I had always been a big advocate, uh, advocate of mental health and studying, um, you know, the, the importance of meditation and journaling and gratitude and all of these things, I had had it in my life when, it, when that happened. <clears throat> and it was actually two weeks before my wedding and I had to cancel my wedding. And there was all these other things that happened because of that. Um, you know, I was so lucky that I had that base to, to pull on. Um, and it was something that I was able to dig deep into um, <clears throat> and lean on. And I felt very blessed for having that. Um, and it helped me. And, and like you say, you know, I really wholeheartedly agree with everything that you said, Bill, with regards to, you know, you have to step forward. You get two choices. Are you going to wear this and be devastated for the rest of your life? Of course, you know, that's your that's one option. Or are you going to take part of that and, and, and go forward with it? And I actually created a foundation. Um, we built a tree house in her name and um which was lovely um because she used to build tree houses and it's i wanted to create a place for teenagers to visit and connect because you know there's parks and you always have kids hanging around swings and i used to and you know and that's for children we, i wanted a place it was for teenagers it was a hangout location and you could go and write there or you could meet somebody there and alice as she was she was an earth angel and obviously it was her destined to go um <clears throat> i think it was it was my my love letter to her really. And that's there now, right next to Pinewood Studios in um, in Buckinghamshire in the UK. So, um, and so that, that's, that's something that I wanted to do for her. But what I realized going through all of this process was seeing all the children in my life and all my other nieces and nephews, and now I have a daughter. And I just thought they didn't have the toolbox of knowledge that I had. They didn't have the ability to go and lean on all of those modalities that I had. Um, <clears throat> and I, you know, I, 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 it started to question why. And of course, you know, it's not something that's taught in schools yet <laughs> um, on, a, on an ongoing basis. You know, the importance, it's starting to, you know, don't give it attention, let's do meditation. You know, let's start the morning with positive affirmations and do a bit of stretching, get, let's get all the wiggles out before we start our day. You know, the importance of that, you know, the use of um, <clears throat> essential oils and how they can really help you and using nature and grounding and all of these things that we have in our wheelhouse as, as adults, when something bad happens, we go on a journey, right? Like, like, like Bill said, you know, you either have this journey of you're devastated and you, you turn, maybe you'll turn to drink or to drugs or to self-destruction or, you know, they are options that sometimes people take. Um, 
or do you dig deep and you think right there is there is still like you say there's still hope there's still sunshine there can you can you use these modalities to make it your life better so i wanted to create something for children and hand them this book it's um, a toolbox with all of these skill sets in um, and it's got everything there and it's just i touch on each subject and i give them enough information that they can inquire more about it, a little bit about meditation, the importance of healthy eating, drinking, you know, water every single day, positive affirmations, prayer, all of those things that absolutely fundamentally, scientifically help and make a difference to your life. Um, and so that's what I've started. Um, and with that, I've also got 27 other books in the series. Um, I My background is a TV host. And so I wanted to sort of go full circle with everything. Um, and with my daughter, you know, having all of this information and this knowledge is we, we've all sat there and well, I don't know about you, but spent hours watching My Little Pony and Peppa Pig and uh, <laughs> uh, all, all of these different shows that are out there, which, which you know, kids connect with. And I thought, where's where's the show that's giving the lesson and you know you've got something like Paw Patrol which is great it's about teamwork and it's about helping people and it's about working together which is wonderful but where are the actual real fundamental lessons in there where the child comes it's a really positive show and they come away with actual knowledge of the things that can actually help them step forward in life and help them um, and so that's where my idea for the show has come and it's called um, Love and Light Land, and it's going to teach children all of these different modalities. It's a bunch of little fairies, and they all work together. Um, and it's got elements of teamwork. But every time something goes wrong, you know, and something will happen in the gang, then it's like, oh, what are we going to do? And then in 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 will float the meditation fairy, and she'll help me everyone meditate. Or all the everyone has too much sugar, and then he here comes Heath, the healthy fairy, and he comes and teaches them how to make a smoothie and how important it is to add greens and so on and so forth. So that's something I'm working on. It's in development at the moment, um, and I'm also going on from that. I want to make a place for children to come and visit so they can learn all about these things because I know the difference that it can make in children's lives and going on from when my niece was murdered she had a younger sister and from that she's had terrible um ptsd and has had a lot of electric shock treatment and had to go into a mental institute and, and had all sorts of difficulties and with a lot of my sister's work who's very positive she's been able to use a lot of these modalities to bring her back to herself because you sort of leave yourself when something like that happens so you know again it's just having these modalities having a toolkit and as a parent having something to actually give your child um to teach them because i just think that's so important and i've i've, I've seen it happen i've seen the change in children in my um my daughter's friends that are using now these modalities and in the local schools that are using these modalities because children misbehave for a reason or they act up before a reason so we have to look at the reason and then give them the tools to overcome that and that's what I think that obviously everybody here is doing um, and I think obviously what Dr Rowe was saying as well with her work that, that it's so important to you know change the language of things and the way people feel about things and uh, my heart when, when you said about um, changing hospice to comfort care 
my mum's my mum's got cancer at the moment so um, you know we're having to have these conversations and none of us want her to go to a hospice we, we and and it's you know to have that word just by changing the word the power of that but absolutely want her to go and have some comfort care right so and I think if we can do that for our children as well you know if we don't like you were saying you know don't call it counselling we're talking and there's nothing wrong with that you know that's the importance of that so um, I just really wanted to echo everything that that you were saying and I'm, I'm touched by both of your stories very much and um, I'm very grateful to be here and to share my story and I hope um, and another mission I have is that we get this in schools like absolutely so important I've, I've got like this little workbook and I've, I'm trying to give my book away for free as much as I can I've given it to a lot of children's homes and to foster homes because this project is, is it's all of our projects it's everybody's everybody if we just all held hands and we could make this happen um I just think it would be unbelievable and so important and um you know more I just think it should be a whole class in a in a school and so that's something else that I'm working towards um and not not for the end of endless money <laughs> I really just want it to deliver something even if, if it was free that children could have access to so it gives them a, a place to go, a starting point, um, and hopefully inspire children to put it into their everyday life and create, but do it in a fun way because it can still be fun <laughs> and you can still have fairies with it. So, <laughs> but anyway, I probably talk way too much. So I'll, and say, yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me here. It's been an absolute delight. And I'm very um, excited to hear everybody else's story. And I've already learned a lot from Dr. Rowe and um, Mr. Bill York. So I appreciate it and thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Can you please state the name of your book and where can folks grab a copy of your book? Oh, oh yes, it's um, fairyclub.love. And I'd love to work with anybody out there that wanted to do anything for children in any way, if I can offer my services in any, in any format, I would love to do that. I feel like we can light up the world together with our children if we just held hands and helped each other. That's how I feel about it. Thank, Thank you. you so much. That is so beautiful. The central theme with everyone is finding that path forward. And it is, you know, really awesome to hear from all of you. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Catherine, you said the meditation fairy and the health fairy. Did I miss one for your book? Oh yeah, I have those four, the, in my actual book, there's 14 different modalities that we talk about. There's okay. affirmations, vision boards, there's, um, it's all sort of like crammed in there. So, and then there's like, it's a guide. It's not a book, I call it a guide. So if children are worried, it's like, oh, you feel feeling worried, go to the, goes to these pages, these actual, they're the actual actions that they can take. If you feel sad, if you wanna make friends. So it's a guide and then it's got a tick box of all the things that they can do on a daily basis, even if it's one or two. So I just try to make it as fun as possible. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your book. Oh. Grab a copy, grab a copy. So <laughs> yeah, and I'm happy to donate as well and give them away for free. I love to do that. Awesome. Well, you heard it here, right? She's say, Yeah. Collaborate. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Catherine. Oh, my pleasure. Our next speaker is Kelly Hall. Kelly is a certified holistic health and wellness coach, stress resilience and mental wellness, trainer, nutritional psychologist, practitioner, certified life coach, speaker, author, and mental health advocate. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Kelly Hall. Hi there. Thank you so much. Can you hear me okay? Yes, ma'am. Great. Awesome. Um, I'm really thrilled to be here with you guys and um, on this conference. And I am thrilled to hear all the speakers so far. 
And I do, I love that we all have this common thread. Um, obviously we're here for the same topic, but um, if it, it feels like everyone has experienced something that has moved them to help other people. And um, I'm really passionate about that. So I'm thrilled to meet so many other people passionate about that as well. Um, so I am a mental health advocate um, I'm on a mission to spread mental health awareness, um, suicide prevention. Um, along with this um, goes just this year, I lost my sister-in-law to a suicide. Uh, she was struggling with depression for the last couple of years. And, um, you know, it's that it can touch anyone. And this, this was work I was already doing. And then this happened in our, our own family. And um, as you all know, that can be very devastating. So no one is immune. You know, she, she was uh, bright and beautiful. She had a, a loving family, grandkids, loving husband, had plenty of money, a great job. Um, you know, <clears throat> none of that matters everyone can get to a dark place and find that it's really hard to climb back out of it. So um, I want people to know they're not alone. They don't have to be ashamed. They don't have to be embarrassed um, to need help. I personally struggled. I had sudden onset OCD at 23, uh, which is 30 years ago now. Um, and at that time, there really was a stigma. It was very bad still, um, you know, as, as we all know, it, it's coming along, it's getting better. Um, but the more awareness we can have around this, the more we can talk about this and normalize it, normalize it because, you know, everyday people are going through things. You know, the one in five are struggling with depression or anxiety um, on a yearly basis. One in 20 struggle, you know, with a very, a very tough diagnosis. So let's all band together to break that embarrassment, to break that people feeling ashamed. Um, it should be no different than like somebody with a heart issue who needs medication, somebody in a wheelchair because their legs don't work. Uh, you know, somebody with Parkinson's, you wouldn't tell that person, oh, just stop having that tremor. You know, no, nor should you tell someone that is struggling with mental health, oh, just snap out of it. Oh, just pep up, you know, things like that. Um, I know some people like they feel like they're they're trying to minimize it and help that person. Um, but really, it makes that person feel like it's not OK that they are struggling. And, you know, we, we need to break that for sure. So um, today I'm going to talk just a little bit about um, holistic approach for mental health, um, because I struggled for over 20 years of my life with very, very high anxiety. And with the, um, mostly what I got was take your medication, your bowl of medication, um, and do your talk therapy. And I would ask all the time, isn't there something different, something better, something more, isn't there something I can be adding in to help this? And much like Catherine talked about, you know, I'm, I'm into just that holistic approach of there are so many different things that you can be doing. And if you're a person who is struggling with, you know, chronic stress, chronic anxiety, chronic depression, you know, the more things you do to add into that mental wellness bank account, um, 
you know, the more, more things you add in there that are positive and good for you, um, it, it really does help take that pressure off and um, that holistic of approaching body, mind, and spirit being so important. Um, I will also talk a little bit about today, body, mind, spirit, and gut health, um, because I wrote a whole book about the mind and gut connection. Um, I first learned about this uh, 14 years ago with my daughter who has autism and um, the doctor who we ended up coming across at the time, he was like, well, well advanced um, with this whole gut and brain connection. And um, he could, because he had a teenage son who had issues and he had a lot of leaky gut issues and um, dysbiosis, which is too much bad gut bacteria, not enough good. Um, and that gut and brain communicate all the time. And if you have too much bad gut bacteria in there, it's sending bad signals, um, which gets that red alert in the brain going, something's wrong, something's wrong. Even if, you know, logically you can go through and say, you know, well, is it this, is it that? And you can't figure out there's really nothing wrong, but that fight or flight is getting sent out and that's what you're responding to. So today um, I wanna talk just a little bit about that. And um, have you guys ever experienced like uh, butterflies in the tummy, that butterfly feeling? Yeah. Um, or that just a gut feeling, like you just know this thing is good or this thing is bad. Like you just, you can just feel it in your gut and it's just making your whole body radiate. That is that gut and brain connection talking to each other. Um, because our, our DNA, um, the gut microbes actually outnumber, um, the body's human DNA by nine to one. So your, your microbes really are talking for you. And so it's important to address that. So I'm going to talk about just three quick ways that you can optimize that and help your gut and brain communicate better. Um, one would be nourishment, um, nourishment being body, mind, and spirit. Uh, but right now I'll talk about nourishment being like food is medicine or food can be poison. And, um, you know, some quick things people can do is just to uh, let go of artificial flavors, you know, GMOs, um, all, all things like that. Red and blue food dye are so bad for the brain, neurotoxins to the brain, um, and then add in things like fermented foods are especially good, kombucha, uh, sauerkraut, uh, yogurt, things like that. Um, you have to watch out for high sugar in some of those store-bought kinds, but you can make your own at home um, or if you're at least looking out for the sugar, but that's going to help feed that good gut bacteria, which is going to help send the right signals to your brain. Um, stimulating the vagus nerve is really good for that connection. Uh, one way you can do that is to hum. And when I say hum, maybe we can try this together for a second, but um, not just like a little tiny hum, <laughs> but you're really going to put some force into that humming and you're going to actually stimulate that whole palate in your mouth and you're going to move it like back and forth. And that's going to help stimulate that vagus nerve which is the main nerve running from your brainstem all the way down through the gut. So let's do one little hum together. So, mm, 
And then you want to turn that volume up. I know I look ridiculous. That's okay. <laughs> then you're going to kind of move that hum forward and then back into your throat. So one, two, three. And you can feel that moving up and then moving back down into your throat. And just doing that a few times a day, you can help stimulate that vagus nerve, reset that nervous system. Um, that's a really good one to do. And, you know, try to move it all around in your mouth. And if you kind of play with that a little bit, you'll feel that and know what I mean by moving it around. Um, another one you can do very similar would be gargling. You can just gargle water, but get that water in there and then just gargle it. And then same thing, kind of just move it around. And that also helps stimulate that vagus nerve. And then another really good thing, um, obviously, but reducing stress levels. Um, this is good for mental health period. This is good for your gut to help reduce your stress levels. Um, everyone has stress. Everyone has different stress. I'm really, um, really passionate to help people with their stress because some people, you know, their initial response is, well, you can't do anything about my stress. Well, no, I, I, I can't fix your particular stress, but it's how you deal with it. It's how you manage it. Instead of pulling all this stress in and just holding it and wearing it, you want to, on a daily basis, several times a day, you want to be getting some of that stress out of your body because the, the longer you hold it in, you know, as you guys all know, your, your mental health, your emotions, you know, holding it in is just not going to be a good thing. Um, and several years back, I, I held in all my stress and, um, it physically, I ended up in a, in a really big demise. And it was really just because I was not letting that stress go. So it's very important to learn various techniques for managing that. Um, and I, in my book, I do go through, I have like nine different stress busters and I talk about different things you can do to help with those stress levels. Um, so there's that. And um, again, last month was Depression Awareness Month. As you guys know, there's all the different awareness months, but I just think it's really important to highlight all of that and for people to know they're not alone. They don't need to struggle alone. There is hope. That's one I say a lot as well. Um, because yeah, if you, if you have just that little bit of hope, like something can change for me, I can change that 1% it can shift everything for you. So um, much more I could say, but I feel like my time is up. So I will stop there. Um, but I am thrilled to be here and thrilled to share a little bit about the holistic approach and the gut brain connection and uh, just to bring more awareness to all of this. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. I have a Thanks question. very much. You did say something about red and blue food dye, uh -huh. correct? So that means my yes. red velvet cake is not good for me. The red velvet cake. No, it's not. I'm sorry. Yeah, has neurotoxins in it. Now there are natural food dyes that you can, like if you were home making it, you mm -hmm. you could certainly do something different. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. there are natural food dyes. Okay, fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much for the expertise. The You're red velvet cake I can't do. It's so good though. <laughs> Thank you. Our next speaker is Joanna Gamble George. Joanna Gamble George, she is a PhD. She is a doctor, neuroscientist, health scientist, behavioral scientist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Joanna Gamble George. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as some of the other people stated, um, they've experienced anxiety or other stressful events in their life. And I have as well. Um, and I think a lot of times in the past, I had a lot of trouble just dealing with it, where sometimes I would just completely shut down. Um, I would panic a lot instead of just really addressing, you know, the stressful event or the problem I was having at the time. But what I've learned um, as a neuroscientist that the power of our brain, we can hack into that to really help us to adapt and deal with stressful life events. So what I'm going to talk to you today is how to hack into your brain and use the power of it to really help you with dealing with stress. And that um, neurohack is called brain plasticity. Um, So brain plasticity, some people might call it neuroplasticity. And what that is, is the capacity of our brain cells to change in response to how we behave during stressful life events. Think about the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, So brain plasticity, it can help us more thoughtfully engage in activities that will contribute to our mental well-being. And it doesn't matter um, what your age is or how stressful your life events are. But there are five steps that you can take to improve your brain plasticity. Um, So to help relieve your stress and anxiety while dealing with these um, stressful life events, the first step you can take concerning brain type plasticity is challenge and novelty. So just think of something you've always wanted to try in your life. Maybe you wanted to learn a new language, go mountain climbing or play the guitar. Then learn a new skill and make sure it is not too easy to learn. Um, Novelty and challenge are essential components for what is called cognitive change. The next step is called intention. The skill you are practicing must have some meaning, it must have relevance, or it has to be very important to you. So changing your brain plasticity is associated with the feeling of being rewarded while engaging in a new task. So think about why you want to learn this new skill. Maybe you just love traveling, you love being in the mountains, or you just love guitar music. But just make sure it matters to you personally and then write it down. Then you must maintain attention and stop all the distractions in your life that may be keeping you from learning a new skill. The skills we practice tend to improve over time. So focus on exact tasks that increases the likelihood of change. So you have to make sure you have a plan in place. Schedule time in your calendar to focus on this task and consider setting a personal goal and incentive. And then the fourth step is called repetition and intensity. One and done is not enough. So shorter bouts of intense repetition are usually needed to create new connections in your brain. So just checking in with yourself weekly. If you have not been following through with your plan, just adjust your plan and keep going. And then the last step focuses on time. So you plan for lapses in life. That's normal. We deal with it all the time. Just refocus, adjust your schedule, and keep going. So make sure you are patient with yourself. 
Um, neuroplastic change takes time for a change to occur. But to make the most of this, you know, hack called brain plasticity to achieve your optimal level of mental wellness, you have to have what is called the right mindset. So here are some actions you can take to help you adapt and overcome those challenges. Um, the first action you can take is of acceptance. You should learn to accept the fact that you cannot control everything that occurs in your life. And by doing this, you can figure out what is causing you stress and bring it into perspective to prevent you from worrying about being helpless in situations that are really beyond your control. You have to ask yourself, what a distress you're experiencing, is it really as bad as it seems? Another action is finding an organization in your community that you can volunteer with just to get your mind off of things that are actually causing you to be distracted, nervous, or even anxious. So volunteering can help you with building your character. It can help you with finding a new passion. It even can promote personal growth and mental health through self-esteem and a sense of accomplishment while you're also doing good for the community. Also, getting enough sleep is so important. Adequate sleep helps to retrieve our brain, rewire our brain. Um, such that it lessens the negative impact you feel when you anticipate fear or worry, especially when you're in these stressful life events. Um, so a regular sleep routine can help you establish this sense of normalcy and really keep stress at bay. But it also helps you stay physically and mentally healthy. Um, so try to go to sleep and wake up around the same time every day. I know sometimes it might be a little bit difficult. Um, and also turn off electronics at least one hour before you go to bedtime. Because um, blue light, when it's emitted, it actually interferes with what is, what is called melatonin. And that's the hormone in your brain that helps you go to sleep. Um, plus, this gives you a break um, from all the stressful news you might be watching on your news channels. So if you're having trouble falling asleep, try drink, drinking some herbal tea, maybe take a hot bath or a shower or write something down about your thoughts that keeps you tossing in the middle of the night. Also, you wanna take breaks from news stories, including those that are on social media. So sometimes you just need to check out a social media. Um, it's good to be informed, but constant information about stress going on um, can be a, quite upsetting. So just consider limiting the time you're using social media, watching the news, just to like a couple of times a day and disconnecting from the phone, TV, and even computer screens for a while. Also, you want to eat healthy and have like a well-balanced meal every day because that helps to increase your energy levels and it also helps to improve your heart and brain health. So there's a diet known as the DASH diet, and that stands for Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. And it's a good example of an eating plan that can do this. So what it does is that it emphasizes eating vegetables, fruits, whole grains, and other foods that are low in fat, sugar, as well as sodium. So try to reduce your intake of foods with saturated fats. So that means like pizza, dairy products, including cheese, milk, and butter, um, meats such as pork and beef, um, and as well as sweets like cookies. Um, so when we consume diets that are high in carbohydrates and saturated fats, what we're doing is exposing our bodies to what is called oxidative stress. And oxidative stress is an imbalance of these pro-oxidative factors in our body's capacity to, to detox it. 
detoxify these factors, which really can cause the cells in our bodies not to function properly and even possibly die. Um, so the thing is you want to avoid foods or beverages, even like alcohol sometimes. Um, I know sometimes we want to celebrate, maybe you went to a Halloween party and had some alcohol, but don't have too much consumption of alcohol or drinks that are high in caffeine um, because they can actually increase our anxiety, especially when you might be having like withdrawal symptoms. The other thing is that you also want to have time just to unwind and just take deep breaths. So deep breathing exercises, what they do is they help lower our blood pressure. They can ease the mind while strengthening your, your lungs. Um, so you want to try to do some other activities you enjoy that can just make you laugh. Um, whenever I'm stressed out, I use laughter all the time as a good strategy just to help me deal with anxiety, especially tension in your muscles. Um, so laughter also, it can help lighten your mood if you're really sad and help you build resilience against all these stressful life events that you might be dealing with. Um, also, you can practice meditation techniques like counting to 10 as you inhale and exhale slowly after saying each number to really help you calm your nerves or release stress. And it also helps you to focus more on the exercise instead of thoughts of impending doom. Um, and then the other thing is physical activity. It really does a lot to improve your physical health and it can help you improve your sleep. Um, so with physical activity, what it does, it releases these endorphins that boost your mood and also reduce stress. So if you're dealing with something that's really stressful, but is also like diminishing your motivation to work out, that's okay. Just start with something very simple, like stretching at home or walking around your neighborhood. You can even coordinate with friends or family members to do a step challenge where you compete for the highest number of steps in a designated amount of time. So, or you can just pump your favorite music for about 10 to 15 minutes and dance every day, even if it means dancing alone. Um, and then last but not least, connect with other people. Talk with people that you trust, like a close friend, a loved one, a psychiatrist, or even a therapist about your concerns and how you're feeling. You can even also join an in-person or online support group where you are able to share your stressful life events with other people who may even have endured similar situations as you, and they can share their strategies for coping with stress with you. Just remember that in all of this, you are not alone, and it is very important um, that you stay emotionally connected. So call a video chat with your relatives, especially those that you um, live alone. So I hope you enjoy like these tips on how to really hack into your brain um, and really how to just take action to take advantage of brain plasticity. Thank you, Dr. Joanna. Thank you, uh, Dr. Joanna. Now you said two things. Well, actually not two things. You said pizza and wine. One, you know, two of my, <laughs> two of my favorites. So not too much of it, right? Not too much, do it in moderation. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I'll make sure I do that. Before I introduce our last speaker, I will introduce our sponsors. 
Our first sponsor is Ragnay Sinikis. She is the founder of World Women Conference and Awards, Women Entrepreneurs, TV, Changemakers Coach, and Public Speaker. Michael D. Butler, he is the CEO of Beyond Publishing. He's a book publisher, global speaker, and media coach. Danielle Gomez, he's a keynote speaker, corporate trainer, executive coach, and confidence architect and author. And Melanie Ake, she is the founder of Everyday Leaders, professional coaching and consulting. And myself, Dr. Lakeisha James, corporate event planner, set designer, and mentor and author. Our last speaker, I did mention him before, but uh, we, he was—he is not able to be with us this afternoon. He is on a pre-recorded video. So I'm just going to introduce him a little bit more. Dr. Rodley, he is a co-author and published two articles by the Neuropathic Doctor News and Review relating to PTSD and TBI. And now he is the author of his first book, Trauma to PTSD, Root Cause of Healing Branches. Dr. Radley has his own clinic where he sees clients both in person and virtually. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our last speaker, Dr. Radley, via video. Hi, good day everyone, and welcome to the Global Mental Health Conference. I want to say a special thanks to Dr. James, Gigi, and the team for putting this event together. And thank you for the opportunity for allowing me to be part of this event. Um, due to unforeseen circumstances today, um, I recently had a loss of a family member, and today is a funeral. So unfortunately, I had to do this as a pre-recording. So I want to say special thanks to Gigi and the team for allowing me the opportunity to still be part of this event, um, but I'll um, do it as a pre-recording. So thank you guys very much for the support and allowing me to do this. Um, mental health is a big topic and a topic close to my heart. Hence, I really wanted the opportunity to, to get through and carry on with this conversation and be able to present here today. So unfortunately, um, I'm unable to do it live, but again, the opportunity to pre-record it is what is important because the information being shared is what is important always. So my topic today is digging deeper into the roots of trauma. Um, before we really think of digging deep into the roots of trauma, what I want you to think of is what exactly is trauma? So trauma is basically some type of threat that happens within our life. And a lot of times it's a perception. So it may not actually be something that is significant. It might be something that is very mild or minuscule when we look at it in hindsight. But however, when we did in that given time and moment, um, it might have seemed like something very big within our life. So when we think of trauma, we think of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. When we think of PTSD, we think of being able to have to relive a specific experience. So in order to relive an experience, you have to be triggered by something. So some of the common triggers that there are associated with PTSD is things like being ignored, being blamed, feeling helpless, people leaving, being rejected, feeling overwhelmed, loud noises, and not feeling safe. Right? When we think of these and reflect on these common triggers, we realize that some of these has nothing to do with very significant um, events. So for example, some of these might not seem like it has anything to do with going to war, or some of it might not seem like it has anything to do with a major natural disaster. Um, so when we understand that, that 
trauma really is and the effects of trauma comes from the idea of the perception of the trauma and the way that we perceive it in a given time and situation that is what allows the trauma and the trigger to continue and the effects to be able um, to really affect us so understanding the common trigger is one aspect to understanding where the roots of trauma happens when we think of trauma as a a childhood experience sometimes it's very simple things that an individual might experience so sometimes i use the example of think of kids playing on a playground uh, and a girl or a boy fell a tree let's say for example she falls or he falls on the playground and all the rest of the kids begin laughing at that individual what happens is to that individual a three years old they might have seen that as being possibly the worst thing that could happen in their life so in that given moment, they recognize that specific event as being traumatic. So understanding that trauma comes from very simple things gives us an understanding of where that deeper aspect of trauma plays in. Also think of um, someone growing up in an abusive home. Oftentimes when you hear someone talk about being in an abusive home or growing up in an abusive home, they think of most times that it has to be directed either towards the kid or towards the other family member. And a lot of times we think of it as physical abuse. We don't think of necessarily as verbal abuse. Thankfully, the more and more people um, talking and bringing mental health to the forefront, it's realizing that these simple things are more common as well. And these are things that do affect our mental health as we grow older. So think of a kid that is in a home where the parents are constantly quarreling between themselves. That two-year-old, three-year-old child might recognize or perceive within that time as a threat and hearing their parents yell that could be been the worst thing that they could have possibly experienced. So part of having to survive a trauma is being able to adapt it and being able to overcome it. So what some people do is basically put up a front, put up a uh, a wall around themselves basically to survive those traumas or traumatic experiences that they have perceived. And what happens is sometimes those things shape personality. And as we think of when an individual from a childhood and they have to be constantly exposed to something, constantly be able to expose to parents yelling at them, parents yelling at each other, and they develop that personality around it, a very protective personality or a very outgoing personality deep within themselves those things become traumatic to them so they have that trauma that continues throughout their life and without realizing how their personality was developed because of these trauma responses and these traumatic events they continue to go on through their life and they don't realize when every little thing comes up like these triggers being ignored being blamed feeling helpless being rejected all of these things come in because of those traumatic experiences that they've perceived or experienced during those specific times throughout their life. So understanding that trauma and the deeper roots of trauma is not always something significant, not always a major event. Um, that gives you an opportunity to be able to understand that how common mental health is and how important it is for us to focus on our mental health because many of us are walking around with different type of struggles, like internal struggles. And these are part of mental health. We carry a huge stigma towards it, but the more we're able to educate and talk about the topic, it's the easier it becomes to, to break that stigma. And we understand 
how trauma has affected us on a, as an individual within our own selves, it gives us that opportunity to, to help ourselves and to help others. Um, a big part of working through trauma and, and dealing with it is finding um, the right type of therapy that works for you. So oftentimes people would try one thing or two things and then they would say, well, that didn't work for me. So they give up hope. And my goal is always to try to educate people and tell them that, listen, there is a lot more hope beyond just this aspect of going to talk therapy and try and talk therapy with two different doctors or two different therapists as the case may be. Sometimes the third one might be the one that strikes and that you connect to that you're able to open up and really dive into those roots of the trauma. So understand that part of healing process, it takes time. It takes um, sometimes trial and error to find that right therapist, that find that right doctor to work with. And once you find that person, you will be able to actually tap into those deeper roots of trauma. And this is not saying that the person is at fault. No one is at fault. It's just a matter of connection. If you're unable to connect with somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are wrong or that person is wrong. It just means for that specific trauma or that specific event, you're unable to feel comfortable enough to bring it up with that individual. So sometimes take an opportunity to reach out to other avenues for help. There are different types of therapies, coloring, art, drawing, music, um, different types of creative therapy, things like um, tapping emotional freedom technique, EMDR, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, exposure therapy, community and family style therapy. All of those things are options. So sometimes tapping into those aspects is always important. So when I tell people think of the roots of trauma, I always like to use the analogy of a boiling pot. And the reason why I say take the connection of the root of trauma and understand that is because whenever we experience trauma, we hold on to the memory of it. And that goes on with us through our life unless we process it and we allow ourselves that opportunity to process it. So when I think of the analogy of the boiling pot, the pot itself is our body and inside it, the water basically is our emotions and our feelings. Every day that we go through life, we have constant stressors. We have sometimes traumatic things happen to us unexpectedly. And that becomes like a constant fire under the pot. When you think of a constant fire under a pot, the water itself goes from liquid to gas. And within moving from liquid to gas, it is the aspect of increasing the pressure within that space. So think of now the covers being all our past traumas and all our past stresses. The more weight we have on top, the heavier that pot cover basically becomes. And if we understand that pressure on top and not giving the, the pot that space to really release some of the pressure, it gets to the point where it becomes explosive. And unfortunately, we do see it in society, society sometimes where people are very common and all of a sudden they have this explosive reaction. Um, sometimes you even see it with things like suicide. The happy person who is always the happy person suddenly commits suicide. It's because we don't know what weight they are carrying on top of the cover, basically. And if they didn't have opportunities and time that they took that weight off the cover to release the pressure, it builds up so much that it makes sometimes irrational decision. And unfortunately, it, it comes out as an explosive reaction. So understanding our roots of trauma can stem from all different types of things. Understanding some of those common triggers that we have 
and that we could experience gives us an opportunity to really dig deep and understand trauma. I know this is a very short presentation, but just bring in that idea of taking that opportunity to dig deep and understand some of the triggers and where it might stem from within ourselves would give us an opportunity to really heal and move forward. So once again, I want to say thank you guys very much to Dr. James, Gigi, and the team, and all the other speakers here today at the Global Mental Health Conference. Um, education is key, and sharing that information is key to really break that stigma towards mental health. So I want to applaud everyone who is participating in this event, both speakers, the team that organized it, as well as those that would listen to it, because even just taking the opportunity to listen to a conference like this means that you have an interest in breaking that stigma, overcoming your own trauma or, or overcoming mental health within your own life. Um, it is important. So again, I want to say thank you. And I want to say even a special thanks for everyone that allowed this opportunity for it to be pre-recorded and share with you guys. So I do hope that at least some of the information that I could have shared, um, that some, some part of it that you can take home and really think about it and delve into it and understand from your own aspect and have us that opportunity to move forward, break that stigma towards mental health and become stronger as an individual, as a family, as a country, as a village, as a world, as a whole. So again, thank you guys very much for this opportunity today. And I do hope that you enjoy the rest of today's program. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Dr. Rodley, for that presentation. Now we're going to have closing remarks by our host, Gigi Sabat, and our co-host, Barbara Mays, and then we'll have closing prayer. Wow. We heard from amazing speakers from all over the world today. Thank you all. Thank you to our sponsors, and thank you all for attending the conference today. Now, we also heard several terms come up today. We heard trauma. We heard PTSD. We've also heard suicide come up a lot today, and we also heard that several of the speakers have lost a loved one due to suicide. And here's the reality is that we need to have these discussions. We need to continue to raise awareness about suicide. We need to continue to raise awareness about mental health. And it, it starts with talking about it, having those discussions. So I commend each and every one of you today for coming forward to talk about mental health. And also we heard from Dr. Joanna in regards to turning off the electronic devices prior to bed to, and, and the stressful events that happen in life. Life. We need to acknowledge what's going on. We Awareness truly matters. And so when you're aware, then you can intervene in a positive manner. And that's how we can find those positive solutions. So we have to have those discussions. If you're listening to this message today and you are experiencing a challenge or you are stressed, I encourage you to give your battle to God and pray. Give your battle to him. One of my favorite verses is Joshua 1, 9. It states, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for your Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Oftentimes in our society, folks say, well, I feel as though I am alone. Well, I'm here to let you know, again, you are not alone. God is with you wherever you go. And also write this down, ladies and gentlemen, never give up. I'll say it again, never give up. And I'll say it again, never give up. 
keep moving forward no matter what. We've all experienced our challenge in our life. Raise your hand if you've experienced a challenge. Everyone, we all have, we've all been there. And so it's so important to get back up and keep up the good fight no matter what. And just because you overcame one challenge doesn't mean that another one is not going to occur. And no matter what, you need to continue to move forward. And remember that you are supported. You do have support from folks in your community. We support you and so do the folks in your community. So never give up and keep moving forward. And remember, God wants to be a part of all areas of your life and also in your business, not just in your personal life, okay? In all of your relationships. And remember to never give up, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all. At this time, I pass it over to our co-host, Barbara Mays. Thank you so much, Gigi. Um, honor to you, Dr. James, all of the speakers today. It has just been a wonderful, amazing conference. And just such a central theme, helping, being able to go through those tough times. That's what we heard from speakers today. And going beyond to help others, giving an everlasting message of even the loved ones that we lost or that they lost and making it count for someone else. I am so encouraged today. I hope that you took plenty of notes um, to go you know, forward with your life because that was another central theme, finding that path forward. Hope, as Dr. York, York said, is the path forward. And then we heard of some brain hacks. I just encourage you to use all of those. And yes, we do have obstacles along the way. And I encourage you to surround yourself with people that you can raise up your hand, even when the days and the times are rough, to say, hey, I need help. And I just hope and pray that God puts those people in your life to say, hey, I'm here for you. Even people who would preempt the conversation and say, hey, you know what? How are you today? How are you, comma, really? And that just encourages people to open up and not give that same response. Oh, I'm okay. I'm good. But to really engage and say, you know what? Here's what's happening in my heart. Here's the load that I'm carrying and I can't carry it anymore. God will lift all of the burdens and he would give you people who he, he will use to help lift those burdens. So I am truly encouraged today. Let's keep these conversations flowing. Um, as Dr. Rowe has said, so much nuggets have been dropped today. Let's not call it counseling, let's just talk. Have good, informed conversation that leads to the path forward. Thank you so much, Gigi. Passing it over to you. Thank you, Barbara. Wow, very powerful. Thank you. Now, circling back for a moment here, Dr. Radley mentioned trauma. And so the reality is we need to have the discussions in regards to trauma. Recently, I launched a book with amazing individuals from all over the world. And it's entitled Overcoming Heart Blocks, Inspiring Stories for Healing from Trauma. And the reality is we need to talk about the root cause, which is trauma. And so, so often in our society, folks turn to violence because why? Going back to the root cause, the unhealed trauma. And what we found is that trauma can occur from any type of challenge in your life or any type of trauma. You really need to go back 
to the root cause. What caused the trauma? And remember, violence is never the answer. Violence is not okay. It's not okay to turn to violence because of a trauma or some sort of trauma that you endured. It's not okay. And remember, folks are here to listen. Your community is here to support you. You are supported. You are not alone. Give your battles to the Lord. Thank you. I'll turn it back over to our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. Okay, everyone, we're going to close out in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for this day that you've made, and we're exceedingly rejoicing. We thank you, Father, for each and every speaker that represented this platform on today, Father. We ask you right now to touch them from the inside out, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Continue, Father, to strengthen them on their path to speaking on their expertise, Father. We thank you right now for strengthening us, Father. We thank you for being that support, Father, when we need it in the hours of the day. We're standing in the in the in the line for the ones that cannot pray today, Father, the ones that, that woke up weak today, they don't know how to pray, Father. We're standing up for them in the mighty name of Jesus because we support each other, Father. And through you, we can do all things, Father, through you. We just thank you right now for the birth that you've given to you, that she's birthing, Father, her, your purpose, Father. We thank you right now for her standing up for all of us in the mighty name of Jesus and bringing all of us together for the greater good. We thank you right now for the co-host, Father. We thank you right now for touching from the crowns of her head to the soles of her feet, Father. We thank you right now that today your will was done on this platform. We thank you for each and every speaker, each and every person that's, a, that's attached to them, Father, each and every person that's watching on this platform today, Father. We thank you, Father, for us to allow us to be a continued blessing, Father, for the people that we interact with on a daily basis. We give you all the honor, the earth, and the present. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you and be safe. Thank you.